Thanks for listening to the Women Emerging podcast. Every week we put up a new episode with insights into leadership, practical leadership, seen through the eyes of women leaders of all ages and all sectors from right across the world. Our aim is for women to be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join Women Emerging on our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org for more fabulous free leadership content. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Julie Middleton here, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. This week got a rather fun thing. You know, in this series of episodes where we ask women to bring to us five objects that somehow illustrate a moment when they discovered something about leading and then to talk about that moment through the eyes of the objects. And this has been a beautiful series. This week we're talking to Anne and she has literally just started her next job and she has moved to Stonewall, an organisation that I've known for many, many years and love that is about LGBTQ plus and it stands for LGBTQ plus people in the UK. It's been passionate on this subject for years and years and years. So Anne's objects, though, are nothing to do with her career, nothing to do with work. In a funny way, they're to do with all the other things she does. She has an object which is a photograph of the rugby team that she's part of in London. She has her second object is a ticket. Or actually, it isn't a ticket. It's one of those wristbands, you know, those festival wristbands that she got last week when she went to Glastonbury that extraordinary arts festival, performing arts festival that happens in the UK in the middle of nowhere, beautiful fields with extraordinary people playing. So even there, Anne learnt more about leading. So we'll hear about that. And then she's going to talk about a mic, a mic that she uses, a microphone that she uses when she interviews people for her own podcast, her own podcast, which is called Black Girls Rock. Come back to that in a minute. And then the last one, (laughs) how could she not have it, is a wooden spoon. And she'll explain the wooden spoon. It has something to do with her grandmother. But, okay, so let's start. Actually, the first object is the picture of the rugby team. But first, let's just start with that podcast name that she chose, which is Black Girls Ruck. What does ruck mean? And this is so exciting (laughs) to be interviewing a fellow podcast host. But it has to be said, the name of your podcast is rather better. I mean, how boring women emerging compared to a podcast called Black girls ruck the trouble is that i don't know what ruck means <laughs> tell us 
So rugging, from what I think it is, or like I barely know the rules of rugby, even though I've been playing like nearly five years. But from what I know of rugging, it's um, so someone's been tackled, someone has the ball, and then they've been tackled. They go down and present the ball. So then the person um, on their team needs to come and like defend them and like protect them to keep the ball on our team. So the person comes over from the same team and then rocks over. So like kind of dives over to like either hold on to the player so then like no one can come and get the ball on this side or dives through not diving isn't the right right word because you're not technically not allowed to dive but comes in like pushes through so then no one can come and steal the ball so it's like basically like protecting the ball and your teammate and what you do this physically your whole body sort of covers another person's body yeah yeah you have to like dive in but you have to like stay on your feet so diving is the wrong word to use because you get I always get told off for like coming off my feet and like supermaning in and you're not meant to you're meant to like yeah come in and like push over to protect the ball so what do me tell us then why do black girls rock there's something about the fact that you're not alone the reason why I do think more black women should play rugby as it gives you that like sense of community both on the pitch and off the pitch as well in that like yeah you're not alone in terms of like looking after everyone making sure that the team is okay you're looking after others but people are also looking after you as well and I guess in like wider society that feeling isn't is very rare for that to be replicated for um black women and black people in general and it's a beautiful photograph, isn't it? It's interesting. You're all you're clearly a team, but you're all individuals within that team. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love I like yeah, I love every single one, <laughs> every single person that I play with because we are all so different but have something to offer. And that's definitely something that I've learned from playing rugby. I wouldn't say that I'm like I'm not a judgmental person but I think I used to like come into environments like that where people do look different to me and come from like different backgrounds and kind of think oh they're not going to like me I'm not going to have anything to input here this isn't going to be a useful time for me and I think rugby has definitely taught me the importance of diversity and that sounds really like cheesy and doesn't sound like anything but the importance of like different viewpoints and different opinions as well as like backgrounds and um the way people look and like things like an identity I remember I was um vice captain of the team a couple of years ago and like our captain um had an injury so like a lot of the time on the pitch I would have to lead and like getting everyone like together and getting everyone to like not even just listening to you but kind of organizing that space was incredibly difficult because I think I didn't appreciate how different we all were new obviously like looking at us like we were quite different but just in terms of like the way people approach things someone on our team is like one of my closest friends and like playing with her her passion is so like she's incredibly passionate incredibly like loud and like learning how to like manage that I found really difficult because I was like I really love you and I love this about you like as a friend having to like lead and like be like in a group situation though I found incredibly difficult and then that's through that I kind of learned okay that's I don't need to in terms of leading I don't need to be like a leader or the loudest voice I just need to make sure that like everyone feels heard and that we all have kind of like a common vision and a common goal in what we're doing yeah that's definitely something that 
rugby has taught me because controlling 20 loud opinionated women and non-binary people from Hackney is a nightmare but it's like the most fun thing that you could do because it's like um yeah you get to hear from everyone my one of my favorite things as well was also making sure like the quieter people felt like they had a voice and they had a place within our team as well I can talk for England and I like to be center of attention and like I always find it interesting when people aren't like that yeah making sure that their voices are heard but not overwhelming them is really important to me how'd you do that that's a great question I think I'm I find it really important to like nurture my like individual relationships with people and I think when you're in a big group of people and when you're kind of tasked with leading big groups I think it is very easy to just be seen as an authoritative figure without having any kind of individual relationships with people and I took it upon myself to make sure that I like had good I ha and I do have like good individual relationships with people that are like unique to me and within that getting to know people on a like one-to-one -one basis and like, even if that's just like a quick conversation and like making sure that I've like introduced myself and like I know like a fact about them and then when we have like huddles and like I know like some people aren't going to like say anything like when we have like the team huddles in the middle of a game and like some people aren't going to say anything but then going up to people afterwards and being like what did you think of that like is there anything we can do going forward it's interesting isn't it you use that expression rugby is a team sport and it is a team but it's also an individual sport isn't it yeah yeah 100 it's absolutely tiring because if someone is having a bad day it does impact the team and like you don't think it does <laughs> like there are times i remember when i first started and i'd come play a game hungover and like it just would not end well now but i'd kind of always just think like oh, it's fine, it's just affecting me, but then it is affecting the entire team. But then because it affects the entire team, it does affect you because you are part of that team. And like, regardless of the scoreline, you're going to have your personal feelings about like how things have gone, where you think things will go, can go better, I guess, with any aspect in life. Have you ever had to really say to somebody, I'm sure you'd find better words, but effectively, you know, your mood, your attitude, your negativity is harming us all. Stop it. Have you had to do that? I've had it said to me before, which I found I was quite shocked by. I, I think we were like losing and I was just in a very bad mood. And someone, yeah, someone of my teammates came up to me and said, like, you need to be a bit more like positive. And look at what we're actually doing and not just what we're not doing and that was a wake-up call for me I yeah I've, I've said it to other people as well which is I hate that conversation if someone's not saying horrible things but you can tell that their like mood and their attitude is just not constructive for the environment that we're in it's not helping anything yeah when I've had to have that conversation once and I'm just like I, I felt so uncomfortable, <laughs> but I was like, you just have to look at it as like, be more solutions based. And that's what I learned from having that conversation is that like, you can't just have problems, problems, problems. Like, obviously you can highlight what went wrong afterwards, but like, if you're in the middle of a moment and everything's heightened when you're playing a game, like all your, you're really stressed and everything's going on. You're only able to take like small bits of information, listing out where things are going wrong isn't helping anyone. You need to be solutions focused but in that moment um and that's how I kind of framed it to the person you used the expression with me the other day that I was fascinated by is that that rugby had also taught you that 
passion matters mm-hmm. and that I mean I'm trying to remember what did you you said passion draws people in mm-hmm. what what did you mean I wouldn't ever put myself as like a natural leader if someone had told me like a couple of years ago that people would people would want to talk to you on the podcast and people would be drawn to you actually listen to the things you say I wouldn't really believe them I didn't really put myself down as like someone that is a leader and like even now like using that word I'm like oh, that's not me yes, at it's all. revolting yeah. isn't it yeah, it makes me it makes me really stressed out. Sort of what they do is not yeah. what I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just go on, like, go I'm, on. I'm just bouncing along, but I have like started to learn to accept that maybe I am a little bit of a leader, or like I have like some influence because I and I think that yeah, I always used to think that that could never be me because I didn't have like a certain like educational background. I I don't look a certain way. I'm not like I don't speak a certain way I just don't on paper come across the way that I see other people do and that not necessarily isn't like a typical it's not because I'm white it's not because I'm slim it's not because I'm posh blah, blah blah but I think when I see like people looking at influences and stuff on Instagram and I always think oh they just seem so put together and they're so well spoken and blah, blah blah and I was always like I'm never like that but I'm starting to learn more about myself recently and that like I am very like passionate about things and people are very drawn to that passion and I think that is it's a lot rarer than you think to like have an open and honest passion for things but also being open and honest to also know that I don't have all the answers but I'm willing to explore I'm willing to listen and I think that's something that I've always tried to carry with myself especially since joining rugby I kind of just said to myself I'm gonna just fake it till I make it and like be confident and like be myself and like I've always been very passionate about like diversity and like right human rights and everything and like I'm very vocal with that now I'm very like I don't know I make it very clear from the beginning that's like what I'm about and like I think having that level of unapologeticness and really draws people in because if I then now thinking about people that I'm like inspired by and people that I see as leaders they have that same thing and like it's not about any certain like kind of characteristic that draws people in I think it is a lot more to do with like passion last week you were at Glastonbury weren't you yeah yeah and I remember you saying to me that what is it Lizzo who was the person that you that was the thing that you thought was and she's like that isn't she that's so you're sorry I should say your second object is your wristband from Glastonbury last week yeah Yeah. (laughs) so so what did you learn about leading when you were at Glastonbury and from Lizzo (laughs) so I guess the main two things so from Glastonbury I learned the importance of choosing your own adventure and just doing what you want to do because I think normally when I like go to festivals and like events and anything with like a big group of people I become so like bogged down with what other people want to do that I don't really think about what I want to do whereas with this there was so much going on I get why people are obsessed with Glastonbury and talk about it all the time this is my first time going it was absolutely amazing there was so much to do and so much going on that I was just a bit like you know what I'm gonna do what I want to do I'm gonna go around on my own I'm gonna sit here for a bit I'm gonna listen to random music like and I I think that level of like just being like I'm 
like having conviction in your own decisions as well and backing it and even if it is the wrong decision just backing yourself is like that's definitely something that I learned about leadership in Glastonbury I was like leading a party of myself but like it was really like nice like having yeah having that conviction and choosing your own adventure and not being bogged down with what other people are thinking and like with noise as well because ultimately back to what I was saying about passion if you have no passion if you have no conviction no one's really going to believe anything you're saying or like anything you're doing and like that's yeah it's definitely something that I learned at Glastonbury about like leadership and just backing myself and I learned from Lizzo the importance of positivity and loving yourself and yeah I think what I am obsessed with with Lizzo is that it's not like toxic positivity where she's just kind of like everything's fine you're great and everything's perfect the world's great I think she's very much have a like, nice day have a yeah. nice day have a yeah, nice it's, day yeah, yeah it's, it's not, not like that at all it's very much like yeah things are crap and like everything's hard but like you've got this you can keep going you are amazing you are your own individual person and like you have like keep going and like that's what I really like took from that and having that resilience as well that's what a lot of her songs are about yeah having that resilience people are treating you like quite badly but like making sure that like you're gonna be okay you're gonna get up you're amazing that's that and like yeah I think definitely like with being a leader you yeah you, like obviously you will like I don't know like face criticism you have to have difficult conversations times are really hard and you can feel like incredibly alone but definitely like that set with Lizzo taught me yeah having resilience and trying to be as positive as you can be in, in moments that are hard that's interesting why did you choose your third object is that microphone mm -hmm. it must be it's your podcast microphone is it yeah yeah so it, it's really small and like normally so yeah we um either record like on the go so like use a small microphone or in a studio but yeah i chose the microphone because something that's also really important to me is knowing when to pass the mic to others and like knowing when to get others to talk and the power in getting other people to share their story I think a lot of the time I think that I know everything and I would say most of the time I think I know everything I think I've like experienced a lot in my life I'm like on paper probably tick every diversity box there is so a lot of the time I'm like I know everything I know every struggle it's all about me and then I kind of forget <laughs> like other people's perspectives and a lot of the time and I think that's something that I'm like learning to do and found a lot of power in doing in stopping for a second and passing the mic to someone else so with starting the podcast I've been able to like reach and like make friends and like learn about so many other people loads of other like black women as well who I kind of thought oh they'll have a similar experience to me it'll be fine or like I'm the most diverse person it won't be as interesting as me where that definitely isn't the case and yeah the power in like letting other people tell a story is like incredibly important and I think like I was saying earlier in terms of like letting people that that maybe aren't the loudest and aren't the most like forthcoming with their story but do you want to share giving them the power and empowering them to do that is incredibly important and that's uh, definitely something that I've learned about leadership is like yeah it's not always about it's not always about me it's yeah, and I have to yeah pass on let other people share their story as well because in society we're never going to thrive if it's just like one kind of person in any kind of group telling their story it has to be 
a group effort in everything to make any kind of change. And that's something that, yeah, is really important to me. What have you learned about how to tempt women to tell their story? Mm, that's a great question. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> I think, I always think back to an end of season awards dinner that we had and the women so we have like the men's captains and the women's captains I was watching it from home because I had COVID at the time and my friend FaceTimed me so I was a lot more like analytical than I would have been if I was there the men's captains spoke for like 20-25 minutes like between two of them they just did not stop the women's captains spoke for five minutes between them and kept apologizing for going on for so long and I always use that as an example of literally like a man would never instinctively apologize for like taking up space so why should you and that's what I always tend to say to people like own it like just don't be scared of talking and I just always think what would a white man do and do it that's how I always try and convince people <laughs> to like do things because ultimately I find men of like very unapologetic about the way that they like communicate with people and the way they yeah, but hang on hang on yeah, hang. yeah if the result of this is that you're going to get all these women to start talking for 25 minutes about themselves <laughs> <laughs> i count me out <laughs> you don't really mean we've all got to become like white men do you? we do but let's not all do that <laughs> Let's not all talk for 25 minutes about ourselves. But I think having that level of like, unapologetic, like they don't care. Like I, they just generally don't care. Like they think it's fine. Whereas if it was me and I talk for five minutes about like, even doing this and I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking too much about myself. Even though this is the aim of this. But having that like, trying to think about that voice in your head that is like, oh, I should stop talking. Oh, I shouldn't do this. Oh, I should, I should be quiet. Trying to like just, understand where that comes from and maybe you're not going to get rid of it in a day I still have it everyone still has it but trying to just remember that no that's just society telling you that you shouldn't be talking talk like say it maybe don't talk for 25 minutes about yourself but like own it and like know that your voice is just as valid as everyone else's and you do have yeah. to say your last object is a is a picture of a wooden spoon yeah <laughs> And I know, I know it's because of your granny, isn't it? Yeah. But would she, did she own it? Would she have talked for 25 minutes? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, she would have. She didn't care at all. Like, so she was a teacher and I think she became, ended up becoming like head teacher before she um, retired. She was like a teacher for like 30, 40 years and then became head teacher for like 10 years. And she, in Nigeria, it's like a very different, um landscape there where like if you are a woman you do have to shut up and respect men and but she was always just very much like she didn't really care and like my granddad um her husband was just like the quietest sweetest guy and I think that really like helped her in terms of like how powerful <laughs> and how loud she was because he just didn't really care he was just like yeah you crack on mate and she so tell just, me about the wooden spoon so she would like, she was very strict and very like, we weren't, 
she was like the most loving nicest person and like would always like absolutely loved us but was very strict and quite scary and like there were times that she would like chase us when we'd go visit her in Nigeria she'd like chase us around the house with a wooden spoon like threatening to like hit us and like just was very scary but also very loving and lovely and like yeah taught me a lot she's the sort of person that like I'd be terrified to see but also like would want to give her like the biggest hug he passed away during um like april 2020 um so yeah i never really got to say goodbye she was like always very harsh and very blunt and that i always used to find quite scary and i was always like oh i don't want to be like that i want everyone to like me but now looking back on it i'm like she was actually like perfect because she was very harsh and very blunt but you always kind of you always knew where you were at with her which i think was like very which i think is a very important way to be and I know it's not, it's never going to be perfect. Like not everyone is going to understand everything about you, but there is a line between bluntness and meanness. <laughs> and I think I, even I need to like learn that sometimes, but I think, yeah, she was just in my eyes, like a really powerful woman and really like inspiring. And she rolled with a wooden spoon and was like, yeah, absolutely fierce. It's interesting, isn't it? I, I have this feeling that almost all of, leading is about combining things and mm. often things that don't feel like they belong together you know mm. she was strict and she was incredibly loving mm. but actually that's the reality isn't it you can't yeah. be completely strict and you can't be completely loving it's yeah. it's that balancing act and yeah. what you started out too loving yeah i think i am still in the too loving and too nice <laughs> not too nice but just to I'm quite I'm a bit of a softie and I think if I want something done a certain way I'm very scared of like stepping on people's toes and like but I think actually that's no I wouldn't say that's true as much anymore I think it's more how people perceive me that I think I still get a bit worried about but it's something that I'm starting to unlearn and I think I always want everyone to be on my side and everyone to like me. So that leads me to being like maybe too overly nice and being a bit too like just letting things go. But I think that's I'm definitely starting to learn now to just, like I was saying earlier, just own it and like backing myself. And like if I feel a certain way about something, voicing it, obviously letting like hearing other people out, but understanding that not everyone can like me all the time and that's okay. And yeah, even like saying that, I'm like, I don't believe that, but I need to, that's it. Yeah, I'm definitely on the journey to like maybe becoming a little, not, I'm not becoming harsher, but accepting that not everyone will see me as like a nice, nice, like happy person all the time. And that's okay. As long as I'm like true to myself. And to your granny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was beautiful. It was really beautiful and you know you have such eloquence you have such ability to express yourself your words are so beautiful and yet you spend so much time handing over the mic to allow other people to speak to give people permission to speak i love that i i'm gonna think about that mic the wooden spoon of course the wooden spoon does actually play to something that I'm more and more passionate about, which is that leading is this constant task of combining two things that often seem diametrically opposed, but actually holding those two things 
is so crucial. And then the rucking. I'm never going to watch another rugby match. Not that I do watch that many, it has to be said, but I won't watch any match, to be honest, without that concept of when somebody's down and they've got the ball and they need protecting because everybody else is coming after them for the ball, then everybody goes and rucks over them. Doesn't collapse on them, if I understand this right. They don't collapse on them. They don't you know, knock the, the 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 breath out of them by throwing themselves on top of them. They throw themselves over them. They're almost a bridge over that person so that nobody can steal their ball and so that they can regain their breath and keep on going. That rucking is a beautiful concept. I've never thought about it before and it is surely something that we must all be doing as women. So, Anne, a beautiful episode. Thank you very much for your four objects. They are well and truly in all of our minds, I suspect. And good luck in the job at Stonewall. You will be totally brilliant, lucky Stonewall. Talk again next week. Another woman, more objects. Lots of love, Julia. To become part of our movement and share your thinking with us, subscribe to the podcast and join the Women Emerging group on our website at womenemerging.org. We love all of the messages you send us. Keep them coming.